Amazing thing um, in, in Scripture and the Christian walk is that we must value the unknown. We must value mystery because the unknown is actually mystery. A lot of people get scared of the unknown. Um, I don't. I love the unknown. We had a word of the Lord to, uh, back in uh, 1989 to get ready and live on a, buy a, a boat, live on the boat and move out into ministry, offshore sailing with our two young kids at that time. And uh, I wasn't scared at all about it. Other people thought, you're nuts, you're crazy, what are you doing? It's the mystery when God speaks to us. Because if he always speaks to our understanding, then we no longer celebrate revelation. If he only speaks to our understanding, then we actually build God and limit his voice in our lives. We do not live an intellectual gospel. If you live an intellectual gospel, you're missing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying you can't be wise. You can go to seminary, you can get your doctorate or master's, whatever you choose to do. You don't even need that. You can get so infiltrated in your theology that you actually start to eliminate sometimes the mysteries that God wants to reveal. Because if it doesn't seem logical, then it must not happen because God's logical. Actually, God is logical if you live a life of faith, but he's illogical if you don't have faith. Jesus had to get to the other side of the lake. It's not logical for him to walk. If you understand the dynamics of, of surface tension of water, he did not have big enough feet to support his body weight. He would have needed feet three times larger than this auditorium to actually have surface tension support him. So it's not logical that Jesus could walk in the water. Oh, yes, it's logical. He's the Son of God. He can do anything. Then it's super not logical for Peter to do the same thing. If we let our logic override and dictate our understanding, then we have boxed God in such a level that we will not live in the miraculous lifestyle. God is not calling us to understand Him. God is calling us to love Him and trust Him no matter what happens around us. This is why in a country that we're in right now with laws that are being passed and things that are happening, we start to wonder sometimes, or people can, where are you, God? Guess what? He never left. He's still here. I don't understand why some people get sick. I don't understand why some people die, but it never lose my faith over it. I will still lay my hands on the sick, and I will expect them to recover because the mystery is not in my understanding. The mystery is in God's. We must go after something that we're uncomfortable with or think that we can't do. Because if we're doing only what we think we can do, then we have no faith outside of our own ability. And God is not calling a church to rise up and win this nation to the world with, with the idea that you can do it on your own because you can't. I can't do it on my own. I couldn't even get my sailboat paid for a 20-year mortgage, four and a half years, and we paid the debt off. That was supernatural. It was one and a half times the price of a house. So go buy a house right now, today's market, one and a half times that, pay it off in four and a half years and see how you can do it. Oh yeah, but things were cheaper back then. Yeah, so was my wages. Well, gas was cheaper. Yeah, but I drove a 72 old Cutlass. Actually, I didn't then. I drove 
I had a lot of little cars. I seem to go through a lot of cars, actually. It's quite interesting. Sharon's looking at me. Yeah, you do. I moved into the electric world. So we'll see how that works. I sold our motorhome, but I moved into the electric world. So, yeah. God hides things for us, not from us. He hides things for you and I to seek. That means pursue and never let go, to search him out. What do you mean God hides things for us? (laughs) Do you believe in the revelation of the word of God? The more you read this with an open heart and an open mind, not your own understanding and not your own theological bias, Once we read the Word of God with our own theological bias, we miss everything else that God wants to speak to us. I'm not saying that you just go crazy out there and believe your own theology. No. What I'm saying, though, if you want theology, believe in Jesus because He's perfect theology. If you live like Christ did, I I will listen to your theology. I've had so many theological debates with many great leaders of the world in the green rooms. Before we go up and minister, it's always funny how those pop up. Or sometimes it's after. Hey, you said something from the pulpit. You know, I don't know if I really agree with it. It's okay. I didn't say it for you to agree with it. But I'm here to, be, I'm here to learn and grow. If you've got a theology that's going to move beyond it. Well, you said that all people should be healed. I really don't see that in Scripture, you know. Well, then I won't agree with your theology. Because my faith level has to believe that everyone is going to be healed. If I believe that God has only selected a few to have a miracle, then why would I pray? Why would I lay hands on the sick? Because if God's already selected it, go for it. Do it. Be yourself. But that's not what my Bible tells me to do. My Bible's very clear. Lay hands on the sick and expect them and see them recover. Take the elders, anoint them with oil, and expect the miracle. Because I want the mystery of God to baffle the doctors of this earth. I want the mystery of God to mess with my own understanding in such a level that I have to lose my own mindset, my own understanding to gain more of his. An intellectual gospel is always in danger of creating a God that looks a lot like us. Kind of one that's our own size. Once you put your boundaries around God, what he can and can't do, you're expecting him to be as small as you. I just can't put boundaries on God. I'm sorry. I have no, nowhere in scripture can I theologically see that I'm to put a boundary on God. Matter of fact, I'm supposed to lose my own understanding. Everything that I think about things, I'm to lose it in love with him, pursue him and follow him and never let him go. Because if we don't, We would have never, Sharon and I would have never left in 1996 on a 40-foot sailboat with a not-quite-two-year-old Samantha and a four-month-old Justin. Are you kidding me? Businesses and success with money, finances that I could literally pay off four-and-a-half-year mortgage, 20-year mortgage in four-and-a-half years. Are you kidding me? I was promised that if I stay, the ownership of business that I would have, the money that I could make and that I would make would increase, multiply. It would have been easy for me to have just said, yeah, that's actually kind of pretty dumb thinking about us out in the Pacific Ocean in a little 40-foot sailboat with a two-year-old and a four-month-old baby. 
Some of you might even think that was pretty crazy. Well, you know what? Now, I think it was crazy. I'm thinking, whoa, I know when the grace of God is on something and when the grace of God lifts and moves to something else, we need ears to hear and eyes to see on when to move to the next level and the next step in our lives. I would not encourage all of you to go buy a boat. Not at all. It was so romantic. Oh, sail off into the sunset. I kept telling my wife, it's going to be beautiful, sweetheart. And as soon as that sun went down, we were battling a storm of 75 knots for the next four and a half days, three and a half days. Seven boats sank during that storm. Lives were lost. And how, here we are out there. <laughs> Ooh, but God, you said, you said 25 to 28 foot waves with 8 to 10 feet breaking on top of that. That's like, this is an 18 foot roof. The waves were 25 to 27 feet with 8 to 10 feet on top of that breaking. Three, two and a half to three times the height of this roof. And there we are in our 40-foot sailboat, which is about from the communion to about here. I should have listened to my father-in-law. He said in his Norwegian accent, why do you live on a boat and not a house? And I said, well, because I thought you were Norwegian. I thought all Norwegians love boats. Bless his heart, he's in heaven. He wanted the best for his, his daughter and his kids and wasn't necessarily the best for me, but he wanted the best for his kids, I understand. <laughs> he actually did want the best for us all. I better stop, my wife's looking at me. <laughs> Sometimes our drive for answers leads to rejection of the mystery or the unknown. That our drive to find an answer leads us away from the mystery and the unknown. That we need to have an answer for everything. Why did that happen in church? I don't know. I find that. You know what? You're just rejecting the unknown right now. If you, if you literally need to drive for answers on why our government is making decisions that it's made over the last few years... It's going to leave you abandoned in the mystery of God. I don't actually drive for answers. To be honest with you, I can't change what happened, but I know I can help change the future. I'm going after future. I don't live in past. Oh, there went future. Oh, there went future. Oh, there went future. Oh, there went future. What are you changing? Oh, there went future. We grumble and complain about our country, or are we going to change our country? We grumble and complain about our families, or are we going to change our families? We grumble and complain about our own financial woes, what are we going to do? Change your financial woes. We don't live a grumbling and complaining people, or you will stay in the desert and never see the promises of God. And God is not calling for grumbling and complaining people. He's calling for people that got a purpose and a destiny and a vision, and they are going to walk right across the water into the promises of God. That's the destiny of us. That's what we're called to. That's what you're called to. Oh, but you don't know. I don't care. We don't need to know all the problems. I focus on the answer. I have watched. I have heard conversations 
but I, I'm addicted to drugs. And I have watched them instantaneously let deliverance of cocaine, of 20-year addiction, completely go in the presence of God. I don't need to worry as to how they're going to get delivered. I just need to preach the gospel and say, you are called to be delivered. Your destiny is deliverance in the king. Mystery is often treated as something intolerable instead of a real treasure. <laughs> a little shaking or something going on. What do you do that for? I didn't feel nothing. Exactly. <laughs> it didn't happen for you to feel anything. And I guarantee you, I will not let my emotional state be subject to what you feel or don't feel. I love you all enough that we're going to preach the gospel of living truth in this building. And it will set us free. His truth sets us free. And you know what? If you do in worship and you do a little jiggle, go for it. If it's truly God, go for it. And even if it's not God, it's really not my issue or problem. Until you start jiggling and taking out our platform and throwing the stands around and stuff, you might get tackled and hauled out the back. <laughs> There's a certain level of order in the kingdom. Actually, the kingdom's very much in order. It really is. But the presence of God can never be bound by our own understanding. If it's bound by our understanding, then we can't live in the fullness of the presence. It is actually really, really good that living with a mystery is actually a privilege of Christ Jesus in us. That if there's things that you just don't know, praise the Lord. Because if you know it all, then you are a know-it-all. And I will guarantee you, you have formed a box. And I will guarantee you, anyone else's opinion and perspective will aggravate you and frustrate you and drive you nuts. So I'm here to say, throw, open the door first and throw the key away. I'm not talking, you understand about the fundamentals of Scripture. The Word of God is the Word of God. It's very clear in the fundamentals of Scripture. We don't change the fundamentals of Scripture. You can't change the fundamentals of Scripture. You can think you've changed it, but you can't change it. It's kind of like the communist regimes in the past that tried to cancel all Bibles and Christianity. They can't. So don't even try, Canada. <laughs> I'm declaring. Don't even try, oh my nation. You could take this away, but you haven't taken away the word from me. Because actually, I got quite a few of these, so. <laughs> it is good that we don't always know why or what. If you come here on a Sunday morning, you should come with an expectation of a mystery being revealed. Yes. If we come with an expectation of a mystery being revealed, then we open our hearts our mind, and our soul into the presence of God to reveal something that you didn't get revealed to before. Every time I come Sunday morning, I'm expecting more. Yeah. And you know what? There's some Sundays where it just feels, oh, that was normal, whatever, you know what? You know what? Your obedience in coming, though, is rewarded. 
Because I guarantee you, when you wake up and you get out of bed and you don't say, you know what, I'm just too tired to go to church, had a big weekend, can't bother coming, you are literally canceling out the options to gather as a family and open the doors of heaven greater in our understanding. I'm not saying you have to come to church, but I'm saying you should. Yeah, but the Bible doesn't really say church. Well, sure it does. The word church is oikos and ecclesia. It's full of it. The oikos is the gathering of the saints, the people together as a family, and the ecclesia is the, is the actual uh, uh, supernatural governmental structure of his kingdom. So if we say there is no church or we don't need to have church, you're absolutely wrong. You've built a box, and you're expecting everybody to fit into the box. But that's not truth. And truth sets us free. So I'll preach from the platform. Believe me, it would be easier for me not to come on a Sunday. It would just be easy to stay home. But I couldn't. Because if I didn't come here, I'd go somewhere else. Why? Because I'm religious? No. Because I actually know what the commitment in a covenant means. That when I wake up and don't feel like loving my wife, I don't have the option. I love her no matter how I feel. It's a covenant. <laughs> if you're traveling or somewhere, I mean, we always find a church or else we do church in our own, our own little uh, camper or something. I mean, we just do church. But not just on Sunday, we just do church. <laughs> Sunday is the gathering of the people, the gathering of the saints. Church is life. It's who we are. It's who we are. It's not these four walls. If it's these four walls, get out of the religious mentality. That's not it. It's within us. It's good that we don't always know why or what, because if we always knew why, life would be very boring. The walk of faith is to live according to the revelation we have received, especially in the midst of the mysteries that we cannot explain. To be able to walk in the revelation that we know is God, even when we can't explain it, is one of the greatest levels of faith. One of the greatest things I've, I've instructed my own life, my own heart to walk in is to walk in forward when the word of the Lord is spoken to me and confirmed by the people around me that we go forward even if it doesn't always feel the best. We go forward. This ministry, Windward, would not be alive if we actually packed it in the hundreds of times I thought about it. But you know what? I'm the fifth generation of Bible-believing ministry. And I'm not going to throw that away, all that inheritance, because I just don't feel like doing it anymore. Because you know what I'll teach my kids? If I had chosen that, I guarantee you probably the majority of them wouldn't be in the church today. And I refuse to be a parent responsible to say, you know what, I'm just too tired for church. Oh yeah, I'm the kids. And then you expect your kids uh, to be a revivalist. I tell you what. No, 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 no. You have to be the revivalist and your kids want to be just like you. The walk of faith is to live according to the revelation we have received. Have you received revelation? Well, let me tell you some revelation. We celebrated communion this morning. That is a revelational celebration right there. That Christ died on that cross and rose again for our sins. That we could have our name written into the book of life. That's a revelation of the Word of God. 
well, no, that's just the Word of God. No, it needs to be a revelation of the Word of God. If it's not a revelation in you of the Word, then you're going to look the same whether you believe in Him or you don't. It needs to be a revelation of Him in us. That's why Christianity is called the faith. That's what Christianity is, the faith. The faith. Many times believers leave, leave or dilute their call so they can feel better about the things that they cannot explain. Yeah, but I got so badly hurt when I was trying to do my call in my last church. And so I'm just, I'm just not going to go there now. I got hurt way too bad. I'm just not going to use it. Heaven forbid. I pray that you have a revelation of Christ Jesus in you. Because the pain you experienced before was not to be carried to the new season. It was to, be lear to learn from and to walk out of in forgiveness and move beyond the pain of the past. The pain of the past was never to be a lifestyle. The pain of the past is always to be a building block. On, especially on what you shouldn't do to others. It's interesting. I watch hurt people. And so often, they hurt people. They try to find the little celebration club of hurt people. They go on social media. Boy, it was so much easier when we didn't have social media, wasn't it? So many opinions out there. It's unbelievable. I read some posts of people that I know. They got hurt in the church. And they're literally writing, without using names of all the hurt they had, they're literally writing about the hurt and pain. And people are joining on. Yep, I got hurt too, and this name, da 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 da. And I'm thinking, what you're doing is you're actually regenerating people's pain. If we start regenerating our own pain, we're going to live in pain. If we start regenerating people's pain, we're accountable for their pain. Did you hear that? If we start living and regenerating our past pain, you're going to live hurt. But if you let that past pain regenerate in other people's past pain and hurt, then you are responsible, partially responsible, of their hurt. That is not the faith. That is not the faith. Some people, you know, man, I, you know... I, my kids aren't good kids, or you know, I married the wrong woman, or I married the wrong man. I, I, I'm not happy. I'm not. But why aren't you? Love's a choice. And out of love, you can find happiness. If you start losing love for your children or your family members, then you, don't, you can't expect to have happiness with them. Because we have to first have love. God first loved us, not because he was happy with you and me. I can remember many times God would not have been happy with me in my teenage years. But he never stopped loving me. He never stopped questioning, hmm, I wonder if I should have sent my son to die for Brent or not. Like, he's pretty far out there in my teenage years. God, no, that's not God. God's like, that's my son. He just doesn't know the fullness of it yet, but he's my son. And I'm sure he stood on the hill waiting, just waiting for the sun to return. Uh, he had to knock me off my motorcycle at 90 miles an hour, but I did return. What do you mean he knocked you off? I don't know. Either way, I wiped out. Carnal-minded is to allow 
what we cannot answer to downgrade what he has shown us. Carnal-minded thinking can look as simple as, yeah, I just don't think he can do it. I, just, I don't think I can do it. Someone prophesies over you. Yeah, I think the prophecy was off because he actually said I was going to be an evangelist and I'm actually not gifted as an evangelist. Hmm. I think we should all evangelize. At what level is subject to you and your gift? Billy Graham, 15 years old, speech impediment. He struggled all through high school. Had a hard time speaking, stuttering. But he knew there was a call in his life at 15. So what's he do after school? Goes off into the, the bushes, the trees, and the back in North Carolina. He starts preaching the gospel to the trees. At least they weren't critical of him. <laughs> you can't do that because you got a speech impediment. How could you be an evangelist? You know what? doesn't matter what impediment you have. Get rid of it. God didn't create you to live in an impediment. He didn't create you to let your physical nature hmm, slow you down. He created Jesus, I'm sorry, he created you that when Jesus Christ rose from that grave, your physical understanding would start to diminish and your spiritual understanding would start to flood in. That's how he created us. Simple as that. Too many Christians only obey what they understand and that subjects their God to their own judgments. I remember I used to really criticize, I was a Baptist boy, regular Baptist, so very staunch. And I remember going down to North Carolina in 1982, right after grad. And my brother, oldest brother and sister-in-law and family, were part of a church down there, charismatic church, that actually spoke in tongues publicly. Oh. Oh. That just riled me up. It's a lesser of all gifts. Should never be done in a public place. Oh, I knew the scripture inside and out. Seminary training, I knew it. But you know what? I didn't let my offense stop me from attending the church. I mean, seriously. In service, they would put their hands up and dance. Can you imagine such a thing? I'm sure someone's going to cut this off the internet and say, this is how Brent Borthwick, this is where he is at. But that's where I was. That was the box I was in. But boy, I thank the Lord that I stuck it out just a few more months there before I got so frustrated with everybody late night arguments with my older brother. He's 17 years older than me, so he's my older brother. I thank the Lord he's a very gentle spirit man, because I was a very, I'm the youngest, so I was a very fired up live wire. Had no problem sharing my opinion. Wayne, how can you even go to such a church? How could you even go to such a church? Brent, you just need to open your heart. My heart is open. Publicly speaking in tongues, are you kidding me? I'd even say it sounds like Satan's language is going on. Oh, I was messed up in theology. He says, Brent, you just need to open your heart. Just open your heart. 
Don't let the sign of an individual affect you with God. And I started opening my heart. And I remember on a Wednesday night, Pastor Roy Miles, we'd have this evening of prayer. There wasn't many people that come out, but I was there on that one Wednesday night, and we'd gather around in a circle of chairs, and I thought, great, we're going to probably start singing Kumbaya and hold hands. And he had some background worship going on. And all of a sudden, the 15, 10, 15 people that were there started speaking in tongues. And it's starting to offend me. And this lady says, after she speaks spoken tongues publicly, this lady says to me, God's given me a word for give me three words for Brent. And I'm like, Pastor Roy, gentle heart, I trusted him. He said, Brent, can we pray with you? I said, sure. My hair is here. I had just gotten out of the rock band some years before. But I was on fire for God, just in my own box. And so he said, okay, then come into the center and we'll, put, we'll come around you thinking great you know they started jabbering away in their languages and at that moment I had the option of saying let me give some current events that could be construed I said great they're all speaking in tongues or they're asking for a tithe that could be an offense to somebody or or whatever it is that you that might offend you whatever that might be maybe it's restrictions maybe it's the lockdown maybe it's covid maybe it's what happened to an amazing protest of freedom that our prime minister went berserk on. Whatever it is that might hold you back or bother you, I had to stand there and I chose to say, okay, God, if it's really you, show me. I had to make that step of the unknown. What if I stepped and I floated in the air right now? Would that help? had to make the step of the unknown that a mystery if it's truly God I want to be a part of the mystery and I remember God if it's really you show me and as soon as I said that the loudest lady that had the words for me stopped gibbering and she said God told me that Brent is struggling in his life with such and such. I'm like, yeah, well, that's pretty much any teenage young man. <laughs> but I didn't let it slow me down. I didn't let it stop. I said, okay, yeah, that could have been for any young man. And I hear her talking, yapping, and they're all yapping. 
And then she said something next. She said, and God showed me in Brent's life, dot, 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 dot. And I thought, hmm, that's actually pretty accurate. <laughs> like, a little embarrassing, you just said it in front of everybody, but nobody knew that. I thought I hit that one pretty good. And I hear the gibbering going on again. I could feel something. Like a arms supporting my arms touching my hairs and I thought okay God and boom she said the third thing which absolutely nobody could have known and all I remember was feeling incredibly drunk and high all at the same time from my old rock days rock and roll days I couldn't stand no one caught me. I smacked that floor. It didn't even hurt. And all I could say was, Shikirababa, which meant, Shikirababa, which meant, Shikirababa. That's all I could say. I didn't even know why I was saying it. I later realized in my own language with the Lord, it meant, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. My sister-in-law went running to the back of the church and grabbed the phone and phoned my mom immediately back here in British Columbia. You know what just happened to your son, Brent? Exactly. Exactly. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit that day, something I had never experienced before in my life. But you know what? I went after the mystery. And I was willing to say, you know what, God, I don't know everything. I want to lose my own understanding to learn more from you, to learn more from you. Let's all stand. Obedience, it's actually supposed to be offensive. <laughs> it's supposed to offend our own freedom. That's why obedience is always rewarded. Obedience to God will always be rewarded by God because what it means is we have given up our own freedom to be bound in His presence, in His glory. We need to hold on to what God has shown us and to obey what He has commanded us. It's a clarity in the Word of God. If you're confused on your destiny or on the commands of the Lord, let me tell you, go into all the world and preach the gospel, healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, and casting out the demons. Well, I don't know what my destiny is. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Live a life of such great faith that what seems absolutely impossible will become your reality. That you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it cannot be done unless God is in it. And then go after that. We must embrace this privilege. Embrace the privilege of the mysteries of God. So we can run, 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 and not be weary. Rise up and mount wings as eagles 
That's our destiny. Everyone in this room, everyone watching online right now has a destiny to rise up with wings as eagles. In other words, get above the storms of this earth. Don't be an eagle huddled up in fear on the ground. Rise up higher, higher, higher in his presence and his glory. That's our destiny, people. That's our destiny, church. That's our calling. So we can be the change of this nation. We can raise up our children with such great expectation because you know what? The one town that Jesus was bound and hindered in was his own hometown. They were amazed at the miracles that this man did until they realized, isn't that like little Jesus that used to run around here? Guess what? If you let your mind be bound with that understanding, he actually did very few miracles in his own hometown. Because you know what? If you don't believe that someone in here it will be the next great evangelist of this nation, if you think that it's got to come from America, then you're wrong. If you don't believe that your children or your grandchildren are to be the next great preachers of this nation, then you think too low. There are people in this room and people that will come into this room that will be some of the greatest worshipers our nation have ever seen. A sound that is ready to be released out of Windward. I know it. I know it. We've already been talking about it. Songs are already being written in the worship teams. I mean, I heard some of the songs. I think they need to be produced and released right now. Your children, your husband, your wife, your friends, your young adult group. I mean, for crying out loud, Jesus Culture, Banning was the pastor, and Jesus Culture was the youth group. It was just called the youth group. Jesus Culture was the youth group. Who would have ever thought? Ah, God thought. What's our commitment on this Canada Day weekend? Well, I pray our commitment grows stronger and stronger every day to be the revivalist that God has called us to be in you. You first, me first, in my life, the revivalist of Jesus Christ. So I pray here this morning, Father, this day of celebration, as we partook in remembrance of the sacrifice of the resurrected power of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that that little dried up wafer thing that we ate will have the most amount of energy ever in it. And I pray that that little grape juice in that cup will have the greatest wine ever of your presence and your glory. And I hear the Lord speak to me right now. It wasn't in that cup or that wafer bread. It's in my body with you right now. So Father, we eat and we drink of your presence and of your glory. And I know, Lord God, uh, that we are off to amazing and great things in your presence. And I know, Lord God, 
that our sons and daughters will rise up to be the mighty men and mighty women of God and that we as mothers and fathers or we as teenagers or we as young adults we will live as an amazing revivalist now not later now in Jesus name interesting I see miracles flashing before my eyes right now people getting healed some that aren't even here right now maybe they're watching online right now you need a miracle just touch in right now to the presence of God and receive right now in Jesus name the healing miraculous power of his name Jesus 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 I thank you father for this is the day that you have made and tomorrow, every one of us that gets to wake up alive, we get to declare that this day is the day that you have made. And Tuesday, if you wake up alive, you get to declare that this day is the day that the Lord has made. Every day we breathe, guess what? We only have so many breaths. We only have so many breaths. Quit wasting them. Don't waste them on talking about the problems. Don't waste them. I'm talking about your pains of the past. If you're going to spend your breath, spend them on declaring good things, uh, the graciousness of God, declaring prosperity in your family, the richness of His glory, declaring the revival atmosphere in your homes, uh, to declare the presence as you get into your cars and drive home or to a restaurant, declare and walk in with the presence of God in the authority and the power that He has given to us. It is time, O oh church, O oh church, O oh Canada, O oh Canada, to rise up into the fire and the power and the presence of the living one Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior this is the day that the Lord has made and in it we rejoice and we're glad rejoice and be glad in every day and if you need to work with a family member be in prayer work it out you need to work it out in a marriage work it out submit Oh, we don't like that word. Submit in your own life. Just because someone said something or aggravated you. If you think that they're destroying your life. No, if you're in covenant, they're there to help grow your life. Let's work it out. Let's work it out. I pray, oh God, the happiness and the joy. For blessed is the man and the woman that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But instead, their delight, their delight, their delight is in the law of the Lord. And in the law they meditate day and night. And they will be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water, bringing forth fruit in season. It's just time for fruit, people. There are people out there that need the fruit of Jesus, the fruits of the Spirit. It is time to rise up. It is time to go to your neighbors and bring your neighbors into the house. It is time. It is time. In Jesus' name we pray. Our Father who art in heaven, let's say it together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Let's think of that statement for a moment. You can't even live in true forgiveness if you don't forgive the trespasses against you first. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. And all the people said, amen, amen. Have an amazing week. We have a prayer team up here to pray. And uh, a few of us elders are going to go uh, pray with Dean Morrow and keep Dean in prayer. We're expecting a miracle in his body. And anybody else you know who needs prayer, you can even stand in proxy for them up front here if you need prayer this morning or somebody you know needs the prayer. In Jesus' name, bless you all. And have an amazing week. Amen.